for a little flick by Noel McGrath, kept it going for James Woodlock. Woody coming in, he's got a support player ahead of him, if he needs him, hits the shot, just inside the right hand up right and over the bar. Good start by the drum and inch player, taking his 22nd championship match, he's made it 3-2. Hi, Michael Fenley here, former Intercounty to Kenny Herder. On today's Player's Voice, I had the pleasure of talking to former Intercounty hurling midfielder James Woodlock. James talks about his 10-year tenure with Tipperary, his cruel injury he sustained in 2009, and also Tipperary's new management setup for 2019. James, tell me where we are and I suppose how did you end up here, more importantly? I suppose I ended up here when I applied for the guards, you know, after school I did a course and then I was out on the road working on construction and then I went for the guards, you know, and uh, I said the guard college was always in the road to me and I said it might be a place I'd like to come and work and then I got, for my sins, I got stationed in Kenny for about seven or eight years <laughs> and uh, it actually worked out grand, it was through all the hurling as well and great city, great people down there, my great friends, you know what I mean, and we always had the venture, always had something to talk about. But then the college opened back up in 2014 and I went for it straight away and I was lucky enough to get it and I'm lecturing here now since. Okay, great. And how do you find the difference between your your, your first role in Kilkenny? What was it? Were you stationed or what exactly were you doing in that role? Yeah, I was basically, I was on a unit down there, you know, so you're doing all the frontline policing all the time, you know, so you're dealing from traffic accidents to thefts and shops or going in and talking to schools and stuff like that, you know, and I, I only did that really for maybe two years or that and then I went community police and that suited me more really just going around chatting to people and going into schools and into you know um, all elderly groups and stuff like that and that was great uh, but when the role opened up here then I went for it so the difference is I suppose I'm not out dealing with the public anymore I'm dealing with students coming in but they're not really students either they've life experience they're older age groups some of them are you know 35 years of age coming in married with three and four kids a couple of years older than me already and then you have the 21-year-old still coming in as well. So it's great in here, you know, it's 9 to 5, there's no shift work, um, and it's good from that point of view. Great, yeah, you've, you've way more structure on, on your week. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, you, you have a couple of kids at home as well and a wife, so that obviously helps with structure and routine and that. And, and your wife actually works as a guard as well? Yeah, yeah, uh, Michelle works here as well, so she does a lot of the raising of the girls, but I try and get home now and then. Uh, yeah, so the girls are good, they're one and a half and three, and they're flying for them. So look, it's a reason I said it years ago in the interview as well, you know, it gives a different perspective on life and you want to get home after a training session or after work, you know what I mean, to see him before you go to bed. Great. Yeah. Normally you'd, you'd have Henry Shefflin racing home from training. He's about five kids at home to, to get home to them from, from club training. <laughs> so I try to do the 30 kilometres an hour and, you know, make sure they're nearly there again I get home. Great. So, not too bad. Great stuff. And Eddie Brennan actually, and his wife is a, his wife is a guard as well, Olivia. Is there a trend there with guards? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, it seems to be, you know, in, in our profession it does. But sure, Eddie's working with me here. We're doing the same job here really, you know so we have the banter as well but uh, yeah sure it's great you know I know you find your own isn't that what they say and that's obviously what's after happening a couple of us anyway exactly it's something in common um, lately we have the reappointment of Liam Sheedy as the Tipperary manager uh, for 2019 what's your views on that yeah sure look my views on that is that it's absolutely outstanding for Tipperary uh, the county the county board and for the supporters for ex-players, for everybody. I suppose the only man putting his head in the block is Liam Sheedy because he already has it done. He's coming back to put his reputation back on the line, but he's a man that just loves Tipperary hurling and that's why he's coming back to do it. You know, and I do feel that Liam wouldn't be coming back 
um, for the sake of coming back, he's coming back, you know, to try and bring success back to Tipperary Hurling, and I think he can do that. Without without a doubt, and there was other, I suppose, nominees there. Uh, Liam Cad was there. Um, who else? Willie Mayer Willie Mayer was, 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 yeah. Yeah, so they were talking about them, and they're two big, you know, two big, two big men with, yeah, big reputation. Willie's actually living in Kilkenny, and Liam Din is obviously here in Tip, and look, Liam has won two Munster minors, uh, Finals one beaten one all earned one another one and one of twenty one this year that people would say he had no right to win, you know. So he's really building himself up in his profile is coming. Um, will he be disappointed to not get a senior job? I don't think he will because I think the players he has at the moment have another two or three years to develop before the real senior players here in Tip, and he'd be happy enough to go away and work with those under twenty players. And even this year he brought in a lot of nineteen year olds to have him bedded in for next year for himself. So Liam. The opportunity is going to arise for him. When is the question? Okay, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's that's a v- very valid point. And and if he's obviously looking towards next year already with the under twenties, yeah, and he has a yeah, few of them lads in there already. He's put um, work in there, and I, I know Willie as well has massive time for Tip Horan. You know, huge, huge Tip man. He's very successful in his job, everything he does, and I'm sure he'd have put his case forward. But he'll just have to wait his time, I suppose, as well. You know, and he has won an all earned minor, and he's been with the under twenty one, so I'm sure he'll come again. That's a good problem. That uh, if you like to call it a problem, that Tipperary have they have a couple of real high end managers now lining up, and obviously Michael Ryan has, has gone by as well from a huge uh, commitment and uh, and dedication in terms of his maybe it was a nine or ten year tenure as well. So yeah. they've had always good men, I suppose, in, in Tipperary, and as was last or this year, two thousand and eighteen was probably a year that they didn't really achieve, and they were you know probably inches away in my eyes in terms of some of those games. Yeah. A, a drop of a ball here and there could have actually had him in the latter stages in the quarter final and, and it could have, could have been a completely different year for Tipperary yeah um, yeah, absolutely could have had you know a do it for post you know deprived of and it killed Claire at the end of the year you know you know that's just the way it goes when, when, when they had their miss but look overall I don't think the wheels were really oiled this year we weren't more we just weren't hurling well you know and for whatever reason it was we hurled in patches you know a big comeback again Waterford big comeback again Cork were you know epic 25-30 minute pieces of hurling you know but we didn't do it consistently for long enough so I don't think we had any qualms in tip with the way we went out you know but I do feel and believe that the team is still there to achieve you know Michael did huge work he has done it under Liam he has done it under Eamon O'Shea so he's gone by and he's an all-Ireland gone with him as well you know so look the, the, the boys were front runners I suppose and then Liam came late to the table and I suppose look with his reputation I suppose he was always going to get it really and you obviously uh, hurled under Liam. What did you find that actually was very good about Liam, or what's the difference, or what what's the what does he do to bring the team together and get the most out of players? Yeah, um, just as you said it, there he's able to bring a team together like I've never seen before. You know, uh, to talk about issues in different camps, I don't think we ever had an issue for a second under Liam Sheedy. And uh, the thing is, you can go and talk to him uh, about anything you want to. Um, but you're also afraid of him at the same time. You know what I mean? And uh, you're just that bit, bit afraid of him all the time. He has, I think, you know, he has that streak in him where he's not afraid to make hard decisions, be ruthless, make the calls. But if you look back over his tenure there, it was the same team started on nearly every occasion. He gave the trust to players and the same way he's coming on. Um, but it was what he was able to do. He was able to organise stuff. He said it, I'll never forget after 2010, he was never the best manager in the game, but he got the best possible people around him at the time. And when you look back on it, we had the likes of Keen O'Neill, Eamon O'Shea, Mick Ryan as selector. He got the best people around him all the time. Dietitians, uh, nutritionists, whatever we needed were coming in. And it was the best people all the time. You know, he had someone from the All Blacks over to speak to us. He'd buy in different people all the time. And 
we did, I suppose, team building days and they were fun, but it brought it, we were stuck together, you know, and he was able to bring that bond that when we went out the field that you die for each other in the field. And I don't think maybe better one match again Corpy failed to perform under Liam Sheedy. Interesting. You mentioned uh, Eamon O'Shea. Eamon was actually selector before he, he became manager. Yeah, Eamon was actually the coach under under uh, Liam Sheedy and he came in. And to us as players, we wouldn't have known him at the time. But he was just, he had he had a massive impact on it. You know, really the 2010 All-Ireland final, those three years, everyone puts down to Liam, of course you would. But the other men, definitely it was 50-50. You know, Eamon was just phenomenal in his coaching. You know, he gave me the freedom to go and play and he just thought outside the box. He's just different. And then obviously he took over as manager a couple of years after again, you know. And you've gone through, in the course of your, I think it was 10 years, uh, 10 with, years, with yeah. Tipperary, through maybe four or five different managers. Yeah. And different personalities and that. Yeah. Um, and anything... To share on that or anything that you've seen over those years or anything you've learned? No, I suppose for yourself you pick up, you know, some of them probably I can't tell I, I couldn't even remember them now. And that's for different reasons, you know. And for other people, the likes of Liam and Eamon and, you know, they're men that you'll always look up to because you take the best out of every setup you're in and you try and bring it with you. If you're that way in, in inclined and you're thinking of what you want to do down the road. And um, it was just, I suppose, the gel, the bond we had from 08 up along with that group of players that Liam put together and the management team was just fantastic you know and then look Declan Ryan came in he did a good job and Tommy uh, we just didn't get the success in the Robert Green, you know and Eamon did got us to an All-Ireland final and again looking at yourself for beaten by E you know after a replay in 2014 when we had hurled outstanding um, but look every management team comes in they try and do their best and once there's a good setup in place in place you know, it makes it an awful lot easier, uh, you know, that yourself. But just whatever Liam brought that time, you know, I'm not sure if it was there since then. And he brought it. And I'm hoping that he'll bring it back to those players because there's not too many of them left. So then the younger players he'll be able to influence again, you know, and they won't know what's coming down the tracks till he steps in to that dressing room with him. As you're saying, he'll bring in probably a strong backroom team without a doubt. And there's a lot, there seems to be a lot of former even players in Tipperary who are putting their hands up to who want to be involved. Yeah. Um, so... We, we, will, we will expect um, yeah probably a formidable backroom team here with Liam yeah we're definitely going to get a formidable backroom team as you said but I think he's going to go for people that are you know work oriented he's a big man for work you know um, and that's whether it's off the field or on the field it doesn't matter but that is what he's going to go after you know and look the greatest game I think I've ever played in I suppose and looking back now I didn't know and you heard it I mean, was the 2009 all Ireland final you know it was just phenomenal and it was just he had us so up for every game we went out on and I think if he rubs that onto these players coming through you know the future will, will be right back come the team looking for four in a row back comes Owen Larkin one point so far in for Coverford it's in the back of the net two in a row the game has turned around and the substitute Martin Comerford scores in the 64th minute it's two goals, one from a penalty, one from play in the space of 60 seconds and it has turned around the 2009 All-Ireland Hurling Final. Heartbreak for Tipperary. Going back to your own career, um, you obviously had um, a dreadful injury in 2009 and probably uh, an injury where you're told maybe that you won't be playing sport again, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Can you talk to me about that? And, and, it was the county final 2009 and... Uh, oh look it wasn't good for us it was our third county final appearing ever and we were beaten in 05 and we were beaten in 07 and again in 09 the 18th of October and it was just I think we were beaten well that day but for some reason <laughs> management put me in full forward at the end of the game and I went out to the corner picked the ball and as I did I was coming in along and um, Paulie just crossed my pet 
and I had one weight on my right leg and Paulie just kind of crossed came through and he took the leg with him and just got caught in the ground the foot stayed in the ground my leg just shattered broke came down saw look medical personnel my both team doctors came on and um, Peter Merton was actually going away from the, the game he'd have been our team surgeon I suppose with Tip and he came back the two doctors brought me and then on a stretcher into him I swallowed my tongue coming enough to feel so to let me down and then they brought me in underneath into the medical room and the two doctors handed me over to uh, Peter Merchant and he sorted me from there really you know he pointed back cast on the leg. did you know what was going on at the time or how severe it was yeah 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 I knew I knew I was in trouble because uh, you know it, the, the pain was horrific and I remember falling to the ground that day and uh, the leg was just it was shattered it was broke I knew it was gone came in and um, I remember looking up at Peter and I said how bad is it? and I was roaring and he was under pressure as well whatever he was doing I was afraid to look down and he says it's bad enough now shut up that's what he said to me and I got on well with Peter but that was his exact words so the next thing I knew he was sticking a needle into my hip obviously for pain relief or whatever it was but that's it only for him there that day really he settled my leg on a back cast before too much blood came around and then he kind of realigned the bones for me so that was massive before I went to the hospital huge help yeah um and that was obviously a long process uh, for yourself, both physically and mentally, to try and come back from that. Uh, and it was, was there four breaks in the, in the... Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. Four real bad breaks, then there was three. There was kind of seven, it shattered, and one bone went down beside the other because the weight was on it when it broke. But they were able to pull it back. It, it, it didn't actually break the skin, which was gas on the day, you know, so the skin held it together and um, went back down, went down the morning after, uh, down that night straight down to Waterford by ambulance that was the most horrific journey because every pebble on the road I could feel it and they couldn't give me enough oxygen or they couldn't you know what I mean they were trying to but it just wasn't killing the pain and uh, they put my morphine in as well so I went down and I got booked in the morning after on quarter 12 this lad comes on and hooks onto my bed with something you tow a tractor with and uh, he was taking me down to surgery and I said are you busy and he said sure you're only number 45 on the list or whatever it was that's that's the way they were rolling yeah. but I was well prepped and um, surgery went on and I went in at quarter to 12 I was knocked out by say 10 past 12 and I think I woke up around 8 o'clock that night or quarter 8 that night and I woke up roaring and uh, the leg was after swelling they'd done the operation all the blood was caught inside so a doctor came down he just stuck a needle into the back of my calf to release the pressure and really from there on then look it was one step forward two step back but I got there and I was told I wouldn't hurt again but I came back and I was back trained maybe a year from then with the club doing a small bit but I couldn't in my first match back was in for tip in the league and that was 2011 maybe, 2011 I came on as yeah so I had a couple of months hard training done I had loads of work to do on my own but when I had all that done um, I came back then with tip and they gave me whatever I needed but it was just took a, a long time so I knew I was only going to get bits here and there so I came on first game and uh, I got ran into straight away by a small lad there from Kilkenny Michael Finley <laughs> met me coming on to the field week if you can remember it was under lights inside the turtles but I ran on anyway you come over you, you, you hit me your shoulder that was it I know what I mean once you get back on as I say if you get back on the horse or get back on the field it's the same thing away you go again yeah, I actually, I recall, I definitely recall something saying actually, welcome back to you or something. And it was, it was, oh, it was, oh, you did, yeah. <laughs> it was a genuine welcome back, but I'm not sure it was 2011 or was it later in the, was it, yeah. was it that's a league. It was league and uh, we were late back because we were holidays or whatever and he came to play us inside in Civil Stadium and it was under lights. But anyway, and uh, it was nice, there was a good crowd there, and I got a good cheer coming on, and you <laughs> met me then. So that was it, it was all over. After I'd say that. you met me, I'd say you were, oh, yeah, you were yeah. pumped with adrenaline coming Jeez. in. Yeah, but look, it was great to get back in the field, you know, and all you want, I suppose, unfortunately, I got it probably off Paul Corrin's side in training, is that you, you need a good belt on the league. 
to make sure that it's okay and that you can take another belt and sure I've got loads of since and I'm just delighted I said to get back and get back to the top level before it took me out yeah. really you know so and, and look that's that's an unbelievable, it's unbelievable to come back that, that early but just take me back to that 2010 year where you are doing a rehab uh, like mentally did you believe you would be back you know obviously you're saying there was, you, you take a step back every so often you know did you actually genuinely think you would be back playing at that, that level I was told I wouldn't but I always felt I would I'm just that kind of character I'm strong I, I, I don't really care what people think about me or anything else you know what I mean I do my own thing a lot of time and uh, you know I just felt I always had the will and I had the strength to do it and uh, it, it just took an awful lot, lot of work a lot of cycling on my own a lot of weights on my own and to be honest I, I had uh, Pat Short from Upper Shorts my brother-in-law and Joe Egan a good friend of mine and they used to take me half six every morning take me into the source uh, it's the gym inside in Torres and the pool, you know, and I started with active jogging, they'd take me in the mornings and they do a bit of gym with me before they go off and do their day's work. Did that and then they bring me back home again. And it was bit by bit and then we got up on the bike and it's documented I was tied with a, my parents used to tie my foot to the pedal of a mountain bike and I could go for 20 miles and then I'd come back and they'd lift me back off the bike, back on the crutch, go back into the house. And that's kind of the way it was, but for weeks after I went home, I just couldn't sleep with the pain, you know, and I just couldn't do it. And, and, you know, it's just I hear people talking about phantom pain and stuff like that, but I had genuine pain and I just couldn't sleep in the night. I might be up to maybe four or five o'clock in the morning, might doze off for an hour, then you get get up again for the day. But it was like that for long periods and then look, you start to walk and then I remember coming back into the tip dressing room for the first time, middle way, maybe June or July, and I was limp in bed and Keen O'Neill said to me and John Casey said to me, Take off her shoes and socks and pawn a pair of shorts and a jersey. So I did that, picked up my old jersey and away we went. I went out and I ran five laps of the field that night and I couldn't believe it. Now, I, I was limping a small bit, but I was in my bare feet. So I did one lap, 10 minutes off, one lap, 10 minutes off while the boys were training. And that night then I had to get care doc out to inject me into the hip for pain. But after that, I never, never really looked back. Oh, Once I got that first night's run out of the way. Yeah, that's, oh, it's an unbelievable, that's an unbelievable story in itself, you know, yeah, tying you your foot onto, onto a bike. And yeah. The, and the two gentlemen who brought you to the gym and that, were they part of the Tiberi setup? Or no, just good friends. Good yeah. friends who what, what, Yeah, one now is my brother-in-law, he was up to up church on Bandman, and Joe Egan is a good room man, so. And look, I had loads of people calling and this and that, and everyone was good to me at the time. Tip were good to me, and look, I led from other counties onto me, and all the clubs in Tip got onto me, so that was all good. You know, at least it kept you positive, you know, and like Billy McCarthy inside, and Torres kind of going through the same thing now. He dislocated his knee bad, and um, something like Tom Paris above Mayo, so he'll want the same thing. Same, same sport, yeah, yeah. And it is important to have that community, and, and the GA is probably. Is, is very good in that terms in terms of everyone getting around you and, and that you're not forgotten about you exactly know? Yeah. that really it you know that you're not forgotten about that because it is hard and you've injured yourself you know when you kind of go away from a team you think right some lad is my jersey now you can forget about it you know and things move on even when you retire lads just move on you think the world's going to end and it doesn't another lad just moves on and that's it yeah and you pick up something else maybe and that's you, it, you have your own it. interest in life as well yeah uh, when you're actually when you're starting to walk again, did you find that a, an unusual uh, experience? You know, obviously you've done that when you were a child, when you were a baby, two two years, one and a half, two years of age, and here you are again trying to walk again. Did you f- find that unusual? Yeah, it was unusual. And what was worse about it was when I came home from hospital, I was on the couch for a couple of weeks because I wasn't able to go up the stairs with crutches or, or anything like that, and the foot was elevated. And when you're looking down at your leg, and you spend all your life building up the muscle in your leg, and it just deteriorating in front of you and I just went to bone like I'm not the heaviest at the best time 12 and a half would be my max and I went down to 10 stone you know uh, and it was almost just crumbled off my leg and took me months and months and years really to build that back up but 
the sensation going back walking again while it was great it was difficult it was hard but once I got back then you know we just thought we have to stay positive yeah. and that's the way I did it you know and I, I kept driving on and I, I'll never forget that winter I went out it was happening in October and coming up again Christmas we had a big freeze on uh, around that time minus 16, 17 degrees and I went out for the first time for a walk around the yard my brother and father were out in the shed or feeding cattle or whatever and I went down to crutches and I hit a piece of ice on the yard and bang down on the leg again and I, I roared you know what I mean with vexation and with the pain of it but look that was it and um, once you got going then away I went and it's swept in in the end and it's finished in the back of the net and there is another one for Tipperary and for Liam Sheedy and Lark Coleman has got a hat-trick in the 73rd minute and it's a terrific day for the Premier County they are the Premier Hurling team in Championship Hurling this year no question or doubt about it the timing of that injury is obviously crucial as well. Um, Tipperary hadn't won an All-Ireland final in a number of years. Obviously, you were on the panel since 2006. 2010, they win the All-Ireland final, yeah. and you were obviously rehabbing um, that, that broken leg. Was that bittersweet? You know, how would you, you find that, or how would you around that time? Yeah, sure. Oh, look, I, I knew it would have broken the leg one win the All-Ireland, I suppose. <laughs> I was thinking of that. But things had been just so good with Liam, and... That 2009 All-Ireland final was just outstanding and Liam came into the dressing room after it and he said, look, we'll be back here next year and we're coming back for the Liam McCarthy. And a couple of weeks later, I brought my leg and Liam came down to me in the hospital and we were chatting and this and that. I got back on the train field and I did a couple of trains with Tip before that All-Ireland final. Obviously, I was on the sideline and all that, but look, does nothing makes anything easier than either walking out in the field with your teammates and playing the game you know even I suppose coming on or you know would have helped doing something but I wasn't in that position you know what I mean and even when I went back in training I remember going back and lads looking at me and we're doing drills contact drills and lads looking afraid to come near me so I had to pull away again because we were preparing for an all Ireland final and I was going to you know uh, disrupt preparations because lads afraid to come near me so look it was superb to win. I'd have loved to be in playing and I never faced a certain match under Liam Sheedy until I broke the leg. But look, it was superb to, to win it. I still have the medal like everyone else. I was a part of it up until then and then look, the boys pulled away and it was great. Uh, would I have loved to be in playing? Absolutely. And I wasn't. That's what I have to put up with, I suppose. In 2011, you got to the All-Ireland final again, obviously. Um, and yeah, obviously that game, it was quite close as well. But I suppose we had something to prove yeah, uh, in terms yeah. of the penny that day. Uh, and thankfully we did it. But again, it, it went down to the last five minutes. It, it went f- fairly uh, fairly close again. In terms of silverware, uh, James, over those 10 years Tipperary, what, what have you got? What's in the... Uh, five Monsters, uh, five Monster medals of dollar in 2010. I have a 21 Monster final and I have two Monster minor finals. Under 21... That's where we really probably would have met each other. That's the first time I would have yeah. came across yourself uh, in the All Ireland final. Um, funnily enough, I remember being in in uh, the Crown Plaza before that game, and um, I think uh, Kenny had just we just won the senior All Irelands uh, a week before. Yeah. So this is the twenty one on the following Sunday, and um, I remember Ch- Cha Fitz and Mark Moore were talking, and we're asking, you know, who are these Tipperary players? You know, because. Yeah. I think I most of that team was not on the, the Tipperary panel, the senior panel, yeah. or, or wasn't playing on yeah. first 15, no. so names wouldn't have been familiar to us. And I remember one of the lads saying, there's a James Woodlock for the day, or Woody, he, he's rocket fast, and has yeah. he's a yellow helmet. So yeah. that was one thing I was only looking out for, and, and obviously I was marking you that day, but I think after about 20 minutes, 
I was gone in half hour because oh, you were you were uh, picking up an awful lot of ball and using your pace uh, that day that, that, I, that I first saw and Cha was, was under pressure on the other side as well but uh, that's the first time yeah, I would have came across yourself and, uh, and by God that game we were blessed to come out with a draw yeah. that day we probably nearly we probably didn't deserve it realistically uh, but we, we did wake up in the second half and we got a kind of a lucky goal near the end but some of those players would have played that day um, did they would have you know, would, would most of them would have went on to the senior panel? yeah some came through I mean, that 2006 I think I was and Dara Egan were the only two I think from that but since then look you had Paddy Saint came through Dara Egan was on it for a little while um, and Conor Ryan Horser as well so there was a couple but not massive amount Jim Bob McCarthy a lot of them came in for a while and then kind of drifted off again but that team came and you know that's one of the biggest regrets I have is that 21 final because we were superb on the day mm-hmm. with a lot of work put in um, and um, we had David Jung actually as well on, on that team half back yeah, that day, yeah. David was half back that day you know and Ryan DeWire and he went on to play with, with, with Tip with, and, with and Dublin, Dublin, Dublin after yeah. that as well so look that day as you said I think we had a sideline at the end and um, all I had to do was go over the anywhere but, but it, it, it was a clearance, sorry, from Paddy Sale, I think, and anywhere, out over the sideline, it should have went up wherever, but it didn't, it did go over the sideline, sorry, and I think he got a line ball and ended up in the back of the net, and he obviously bets and Torres in the replay, but I suppose maybe half the team would have come through, but for longevity, maybe only four or five was really, you know, mm-hmm. and for, for five or six or ten years, whatever, we, we lasted at. But even as, as you're talking about names there, there's a, a huge cohort that did probably yeah. come in and come out, come for, out. for two, three, four years, maybe. At least, yeah. But, the amazing thing that I find is like that that group of players, like I said, it was yourself and Dara who were on the the, the yeah. senior. Like so, there was obviously a big cohort of players on that senior Tipperary panel, and I suppose it, it did take a couple of years for year twenty one to come, and maybe a few younger fellas coming again, um, and to make that that's a really strong Tipperary panel that we would have seen in 2009, 10, 11 yeah. and, and so on. And it would have come from that two thousand six team, and in two thousand six, Liam Sheedy was manager of the minor team that won the All Ireland. So those two groups came. We were in the All Ireland. And they won the All Ireland. And when Liam came in, I suppose two years after, it was really those two panels of players that got the opportunity to prove it to him. Yeah. And, and Parik Maher would have been coming, and Brendan Maher. Yeah, they, would they were all on those two or three years under us. Yeah. Brendan Maher, Paulie Maher, uh, Bonner Maher, all the players came through. Mickey Cal. Very strong minor yeah. cohort coming. They all came. Broad Ryan, all them were involved, you know. Yeah. And it, that actually, that replay then was obviously, was either the, I think it was a week. Was the it Saturday week? after. The Saturday after, in Turles, obviously, but. Obviously, we had a person myself. I obviously had to sort myself out in terms of that day we played, but we, we played, yeah, we played badly enough. But again, you caught us on the day and you were, you were excellent. And that day, again, the replay we played was, was a really low scoring game. I think it was like only 10 or 11 points scored yeah, each. And I that's think all. The, the difference was a goal, maybe, or, or four points in yeah, it. So. Yeah, at the end, yeah. And uh, yeah, sure, look, that's just the way it went. You, you were probably disappointed the first day, we were happy, and then it was vice versa the week after. So, you know, that's the way it goes. Just tell me about your club, Drum and Inch. Again, from the outside, in terms of uh, outside Tipperary, we'd hear Drum and Inch as one of the, the strongholds of Tipperary, and and uh, obviously yourself, Shamie Cannon, and a number of other players. Um, again, as you said, reaching not uh, reaching county finals, but unfortunately not winning all of them. In your since you started senior, maybe two thousand and two thousand and three, two thousand four, I came on to yeah, I suppose whatever seventeen, eighteen years of age, and that's our club really only started to come in, build as a senior. I suppose powerhouse in Tipperary and that came from 04 on and then it was a really first year everyone was surprised and then in 2005 we pushed it again we got to our first county final ever and we were beat by Sarsfields 
we had a tragic incident that morning in our club where a person in the club lost his life. So that it didn't help us on the day, but look, we didn't perform either on the day. And then again, we got back to county final in 07, we didn't win it, and 09, we didn't win it, got back in 011, and we won it. And in 012, then we're very pipped at the post again, you know, uh, by Torres, and we haven't got back there since really. You know, but we're always in the top three, four clubs in tape, you know. Yeah. So it's been good, probably been phenomenal underage. You know, like Drummond Inch, you have my, I suppose myself, Shamie Callaghan, you have Shamie Butler, Eamon Buckley, you know, David Collins was in, Johnny Ryan, you know, so all them players would have come through. Strong strong yeah. cohort and still providing players or still bringing players through. Yeah. Just lately the GPA brought out the ESRI report in terms of player welfare and it was uh, conducted in 2016 and the results have just came out over the last week or two. Um, have any views on that in terms of uh, how the game is going or the demands of game or uh, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, uh, look I read a small bit about it and I heard a bit about it as well and look I retired at 29 years of age and I was looking at, at uh, Barry... Coughlin from Watford, he's gone now at 28 years of age, you, you know, he went last week, and there's other players, you know, the time frame is getting shorter and shorter because of demands, and the reason I played and everyone played, and I'm sure you're saying, because we enjoy the sport, we love the competitive aspect, the shoulders, the, the fairness of the play, um, and just the way it's going, there's so much being expected of players, you know, if if I was self-employed, carpenter or whatever, there's no way I think I'd have ever heard for a tip, you know, if you want to go off and try and make a living for yourself, it's impossible, because you're gone every night a week or some mornings of the week, and there's so much expected of you, and unless you give the time and give the commitment, and give everything that you have to give now, you just can't be a part of it, because there's someone else doing it, and they're just going to be at a different level than you are. So I don't know how it's going to be managed, but there is so much being expected. If you see one county doing eight sessions a week, you're going to have the next county doing nine sessions a week to try and better them. If you have one crowd county doing two-hour training session, you'll have another one doing two and a half. You know, and that's the way it's, that they think it has to go. You know, So the demands are absolutely massive. How it's going to be reformed, like the club situation, I don't know. But I think the more it keeps going the way it is, the more demands being put on players, the lifespan is going to get shorter and the less club player will want to play county. Yeah, my, my thoughts are very similar to yourself in terms of retiring earlier. As you yeah. said, you retired 29, which would, would which would have been quite early um, over the last couple of years, but that is becoming yeah. uh, quite common now. And I'm surprised actually, Barry, I didn't even realise Barry Cotton had retired. Um, but definitely just the demands in the body and the commitments that sacrifice that people are making, you know, yeah, you ask the question. You would, you'd have to ask it, you know, because I see there with the club now even, like you can go back to the club, enjoy your training session, you're home in an hour and a half, get down and meet all your boys, and you're still doing a lot of the right things, but just it seems to be more and more and more with your county, you know, and I suppose, look, you obviously are playing at a different level, a different standard, but I think that the reason everyone plays is for the enjoyment, and once that enjoyment goes out, you're going to have less players putting their hand forward to go and represent your counties. It's very true, and the social life seems to be non-existent. Non-existent, um, yeah, for months and months and years. You know, if you're successful, it goes on for years. Which, which is unfortunate. Um, just finally, any regrets over your um, tenure with Tipperary over those 10 years, between 2006 and 2015? Anything you'd like to do different, or anything that stands out? I'd like to have beaten Kilkenny in more, more All-Iron Finals. <laughs> uh, but look, you always look back at, at your defeats, you know, but sometimes you mightn't have been good enough or things didn't happen and that. So look, I'd have regrets with my 2006 uh, Under-21 All-Iron Final. And look, 2009 and 14 would have really stuck out my head. I thought we performed really well. And look, like my club, we came 
really strong, but we met strong opposition. The Tordesarsis were at the height of their powers, and in Kilkenny were at the height of their powers every time. You know, so Mick Whitter was going out playing a challenge match or going out playing an All Ireland final to me. It was all the one. I just really loved putting on the Tipperary jersey. I just loved it. I loved that I was able to get the opportunity to do it for so long. Since I was young, that's all I wanted to do was represent Tip. And I did it for, you know, as long as I can. Did it from minor, 21 and senior. And I absolutely enjoyed it. Whether it was one out playing a challenge match or whatever. And the friends I've met, the people I've met, I have really no regrets. I think every time I went out, whether I was good enough or not, I gave it everything I had. You know what I mean? And, uh, I, you know, I, I'm a worker at the end of the day. I'm farming at home. I work, you know, um, I'm a guard as well. And I play a sport. And that's really it's a simple life, and I do everything as best I can. Whether it's good enough or not, it does me. That's a, we'll finish on that, James. That's an excellent, <laughs> an excellent version of, yeah. of life, and that's important. Ah, uh, yeah. It really, really is. And uh, and they say your family, work commitments, you know, realistically, they'll have to come first at some stage. And uh, yeah, that's for players. It. And, you uh, can cry about the past, you, you know, as much as you want, but every time you go home and you have two little ones and a wife to go home to smile up with you and you have your health, and I'm happy with my work, happy with what I do, I can't complain. Yeah. James Woodlock, thanks so much for your time. Much appreciated. No bother at all.